Well, good morning. I am Pastor Jim, and one of the pastors here, and it's good to, to be here this morning to preach the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1, and we'll be looking at verses 40 through 45 this morning. Before us this morning, we have five simple verses. Now, these verses might not seem very important to you. They might not even seem very significant to you. I mean, after all, we've already seen Jesus say and do so much through the book of Mark. I mean, we've seen him come down, go to be baptized, and his father come down and say how well and how pleased he was with the father or with the son. We saw how the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted and there he he was able to overcome the temptation. We saw how he inaugurated his ministry by proclaiming the kingdom of God was at hand and how he called his disciples to himself. We have witnessed how he went to the synagogue and he teached with authority like no other teacher and how he healed the sick and he cast out the unclean spirits and he cast out demons from all the people. And so we have seen so much already and heard so much from Jesus that why should we pay attention to these five simple verses here about this lone leopard who comes to Jesus? Well, I submit to you this morning that these five verses about this lone leper in Mark chapter 1, 40 through 45, these verses really are about us. They're about every one of us in this room this morning. Every one of us in this room will be confronted by what this leper was going through And every one of us is going to be confronted by and touched by the things that Jesus, how Jesus responds to this leper and the actions that he produces, that he does to this leper. And so let me read the verses for us this morning. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Father, surprise us by your grace this morning. Father, I pray that you will show us our sin, that you'll show us Jesus, 
And Father, I pray that somehow that you would just, God, change us. That we will not be the same as we enter the, the presence of your word today. That as we leave this, this morning, that we will not be the same. Change us, God, for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I can just imagine that there's not very many of us here, if any, who have had any experience whatsoever with leprosy. Back in 2003, Kimberly and I, along with our son Garrett and a few close friends, had the great privilege to go visit a leprosy hospital in Moulmein, Myanmar. And as we entered into that, that place, we witnessed the ravaged effects of leprosy upon people's lives. This horrible disease that debilitates them and just takes away their skin. In fact, I have a couple pictures of that trip that you'll see up here on the screen. This horrible, the horrible effects that come from this disease. But I will never forget when we entered into the chapel service. Now, I said this was a hospital, but I, I use that term very loosely. And this was a Christian hospital. But we entered into a chapel service that those people were in. I don't remember what the word, I, I didn't recognize the words because it was in Burmese. But I recognized the tune immediately. And the words that they were singing were words like this. When peace like a river attendeth my soul. When sorrows like seas billow row. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well, it is well with my soul. It's hard to imagine people who have been devastated by the ravages of leprosy could be able to sing those words, it is well, it is well with my soul. Here in this story, Jesus is confronted by a leper. The encounter is startling, it's provocative, it's offensive. That's what it would be, that's what people would say back then in that day. For you see, at least 50 feet a leper was to keep his distances from people. The fact he was so close, he was close enough for Jesus to touch him, was really unthinkable. You see, leprosy was, the, it was a widely known disease in the ancient world. Itself, the word itself covered a number of skin diseases, which included what we call today Hansen's disease, with each of those being very difficult to, to diagnose and to heal. In Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, it discusses at length the disease and how it was to be dealt with. It was usually regarded as the evidences of divine punishment. You see, the person with this disease was mocked and shunned. It really was the closest thing to really what we call the living dead or a dead man walking. You see, the leper was to wear torn clothes, he was to have his hair unkept, and he was to, when he walked around, 
he was to cover his face with his hands and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And they, they were forced to live in isolation, away from the community and the society at, at whole. The historian Josephus said this. He said, They, the lepers, were in no way different than a corpse. You see, other diseases could be healed, but leprosy had to be healed and cleansed. It is no wonder that leprosy is such a descriptive picture of sin in our lives. One author put it this way. He said, when you read the test for leprosy in Leviticus 13, you can see how the disease is a picture of sin. Like sin, leprosy is deeper than the skin. It spreads, it defiles, it isolates, and renders things only fit for the fire. Anyone who has never trusted the Savior is spiritually in worse shape than this man was physically. Listen, all of us, all of us at one point or another have been ravaged by the sickness of sin. And maybe even right now there are some of us here who are being ravaged by sin in our life right now. Just as leprosy casts the leper outside the camp, sin cast us away and outside the very presence of a loving God. As leprosy eats away at the flesh and debilitates certain parts of the body, likewise, sin eats at our souls and debilitates us from the truly feeling the love of our Heavenly Father. As leprosy declares the leper unclean and they feel the guilt and the shame associated with it, so sin declares the sinner unclean before a holy God. And the result of sin racks us with guilt and shame. You see, there was nothing the leper could do to cleanse himself. He couldn't do, he couldn't cleanse himself. And likewise, there's nothing that you and I can do to cleanse ourselves from the guilt and shame that sin so racks us with. So how do we get clean? How do we get clean from the guilt and the shame of sin in our lives? Do you know how to get clean? In this short story this morning... I want us to see three simple truths. Three simple truths that we need in order to be clean from the guilt and the shame of our sins. So the first truth I want you to see is this. You need to know that you're not clean. You need to know that you're not clean. You see, the word that jumps out at us in this story is the word leper. You see there in verse 40, he says, A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. He was a leper. Now, when you have leprosy, there's one thing about leprosy. When you have it, you know that you have it. 
And not only do you know that you have it, but others know that you have it as well. We've already talked about the horrible disease and what it, the effects that it has on the body. But leprosy, listen, leprosy wasn't just a sickness. No, it wasn't just a sickness that someone had. No, leprosy was a sentence as well. You are a leper. When you have leprosy, you are that. You are a leper. Listen, it was a loathsome, spreading, seemingly incurable disease that couldn't, you couldn't get over. No, you had to be cleansed from it. And just like leprosy, sin is loathsome, spreading, and seemingly incurable, something that we need to be cleansed from. Now, these categories of leprosy, uh, uncleanness, and sin, they have some similar overlappings, but not exactly. For you see, all sin is uncleanness. All sin is uncleanness. But not all uncleanness is sin. So, this man, he was unclean. Why? Because he had leprosy. But he did, it, that did not mean that, he, that his leprosy that he had was because of sin. So, this man was unclean because he had leprosy. But in the New Testament, when we see that these, the ritualistic requirements fall away because of what Jesus did at the cross, when we see those fall away, now we see that cleansing has more to do with moral purity than it does with ritualistic requirements. In fact, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Listen to what it says. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, this man had leprosy. But to see if we are clean, cleansing now is attached more to moral holiness. Cleansing is more, does, it has more to do than with good skin complexion. No, it has to do with our hearts. It has to do with our hearts. And that's why it's not enough for us just to look at ourselves on the outside See, are my hands clean? Is my body clean? We can't just look at ourselves from this out, on the outside and say, hey, I'm clean. No, we have to look at our hearts. Now, I want you to know, there's something that you and I are very good at. And what we're very good at is hiding our sin. Hiding our uncleanliness. How do we do that? How do we... Hide our uncleanliness, our unclean, uncleanliness. Well, we do it several ways. One way we do it is by comparison. We will compare ourselves up against somebody else, and we will look at them and we'll see, man, they are really messed up. They're so messed up, and we'll compare ourselves to that person and say, well, I'm pretty good. Compared to that guy, I'm in pretty good shape. That's why reality TV is so popular. 
Because we look at those people out there on reality TV and we see how messed up their lives are. And we look at, back at ourselves and say, man, I've got, it, I've got it going on. I'm okay. So we do it by comparison. We also do it by focusing on our good qualities and ignoring our bad habits. And so we will ignore our pride. We'll ignore our envy and our lust. But we'll focus in on how kind we are, how charitable we are, how giving and how, how we help other people, how we volunteer for all sorts of things. And we ignore those, those sins in our lives. And we just, we, we hide it. We hide it. So we focus on our good qualities, ignore bad habits. We also do it by trusting the opinions of others. Our friends will tell us, oh, yeah, you're, you're a pretty good person. I mean, yeah, you have a few quirks about you. But overall, you're okay. You're a pretty good person. And we'll look at that and we'll, t- and we'll, folk- we'll trust what our friends say about us. And we feel good about ourselves. We also do it by excusing our sin. Now, how do we do this? We do it with determiners. One determiner we use is a historical determiner. Historically, we look at our past and we say, well, because this was in my past, I am the way I am and I can't do anything about it. The environment that I grew up in, if you grew up in my environment, you would be just like me. There's nothing I can do about it. We also use biological determiner. This is just the way I am made. I am hardwired this way, and so there's nothing I can do about it. And we excuse our sin that way. We also blame others. We blame others. And we say, well, if maybe we say, if you were not so mean to me, I would not be this way. And we will blame other people for our sin. Instead of just taking the responsibility for our own actions and for our own sins. You see, we hide our uncleanliness so much that we can't even see that we are unclean. But the good thing is, others can see that we're unclean. You know, it's kind of like when you go out to lunch and you eat a salad, and you get done eating that salad and you, you go off the rest of your day and you walk around and you're talking to people and Finally, someone will say, hey, guy, you have this green speck right there in your teeth. I mean, we don't know that we're, we have that speck in our teeth, but other people know we have that speck. We don't even know we're unclean. Maybe you do see it. Maybe you do see your uncleanness. Maybe you know that your life has been racked by drugs and alcohol. Maybe you know how angry and lashing out you can be towards people and situations in your life. Maybe you know that you struggle with pornography. In fact, you even clicked on it last week. Maybe you do know that you are a prodigal and you have all these sins in your life. Listen, the story of the prodigal wasn't just about the younger brother. There was another brother in that story, the older brother, 
The older brother, who was self-secure, he was smug, he was self-righteous. Maybe you can't see how you boast in the grades that you make. Or how good you are at sports. Or maybe you don't know that the arrogance and the judgmentalism that just reeks off of you and is so pervasive in your life. Maybe you can't see it. But listen, other people see it. Other people see those things in your life. You see, the first thing to getting clean is recognizing that you are not clean. This leper, he recognized that he was a leper. Now, what would have happened if he pretended? What would happen if he pretended that everything was all right in his life? And he walked around and said, well, oh, my skin? Something wrong with my skin? No. No, there's nothing wrong with my skin. Oh, this skin falling off? No, that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, we would say that's ridiculous, right? Yeah, that's what we would say. But that's how many of us walk around thinking about our own sin. It's okay. I'm okay. Listen, he knew that he was unclean. And so the first thing that we must know is that we are not clean. The second truth I want you to see here in the story is that is this. You need to believe you can be clean. You need to believe that you can be clean. We look at this story here, and the first thing, one of the things that jumps out to me the most when I first read this was the remarkable faith this leper demonstrates in this story. I mean, verse 40, he says, if you will, you can make me clean. You see, he knew that he was unclean. But more importantly than that, he knew that there was a man who could make him clean. He knew that Jesus could make him clean. You see, he had no doubt that Jesus could heal him. His question was, would Jesus heal him? Would he heal me? It is a fight of faith to believe that we can be forgiven. To believe that you can be more than an alcoholic, more than an ex-adulterer, more than a loser. No, you can be a new creation in Christ. That's faith. That's a fight of faith. You see, a lot of people say, well, I just can't forgive myself. I'm so bad that I just can't forgive myself. And we say, well, that sounds really pious, doesn't it? But you know what that really is? All that that is, is unbelief. That's unbelief. It is unbelief to think that your sin is so bad, it's so great that God's mercy can't do anything with it. That your sin is so deep and so profound that God can't deal with your sin. That is unbelief. Listen, you and I can be as pure as the purest person that we know. The person who has it all together. We can be that pure because that person is only pure because of what Jesus has done for him. And him putting on the righteousness 
of Christ. You have to believe that you don't have to be unclean. And you don't have to walk around with your skin rotting off of you. Now, I want you to know, it was a big deal to heal leprosy. It was a big deal. It's not like that you have some backache and Jesus just rubbing your back to overcome your backache. This is not, no, this was leprosy. It was the worst disease possible. Only God could heal leprosy. In fact, the story, story of Naaman, and we're going to come back to the story, but the story of Naaman, the king of Israel receives a, a letter from the king of Syria saying, hey, I have a general who has leprosy. Would you heal him? And the king of Israel thinks, man, he's trying to pick a fight with me. I don't do leprosy. I can't heal leprosy. I, I just can't do it. Am I God to kill and to make alive as this man uh, you know, sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? No, only God can heal leprosy. In fact, the rabbis had a saying, to heal leprosy was as difficult as raising a man from the dead. Only God could do this. In fact, there's only two accounts in the Old Testament of anybody being healed of leprosy. That was Miriam in Numbers and Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. And there's only two accounts of anybody being healed by leprosy in the New Testament. That's this man here in Mark 1 and the ten lepers in Luke 17. So this was a great demonstration of faith for this man to come to Jesus and say, I will be clean. I will be clean. Now, was this saving faith? I don't know if it was saving faith or not, but I do know this. He certainly had a trust in Jesus to power. He had a trust in the power of Jesus to heal him. And maybe underneath it, perhaps, he trusted in the very purity of Jesus as well. Some people will point out in this story, they'll point out in this passage and say that Jesus had no regards for the law whatsoever. In fact, they'll say, well, the law says no one was to touch a leper. But be careful you say that, because that's not what the Scripture says. No, it says, if you touch a leper, you will be unclean. So, makes sense, doesn't it, that we don't touch lepers because we'll be unclean. You see, Jesus, when Jesus touches this leper, Jesus wasn't in danger of becoming ceremonially unclean. But when Jesus touches this leper, this man's leprosy was in danger of being swallowed up by the very holiness of Jesus. Listen, Jesus' holiness is more contagious than leprosy was contagious. It takes faith for you and I to believe that God has more forgiveness to, to give than sins to be forgiven. It takes faith. We are not stains on the very character of God. No, God is white out for us. Not very many of us in this room probably remember Whiteout. I remember Whiteout. In fact, I have a bottle in my office. But I've always been amazed the size of bottle they give you. They didn't know, they didn't know how I spelled. They didn't know how I typed. 
when they made those bottles that big. I needed a whole gallon of whiteout. In fact, my page is so full of mistakes that I would think, how is God going to forgive me? Listen, God, God has enough whiteout to cover our mistakes, to cover our sins. God's not in danger of exhausting His mercy because of our sins. No, because His mercies are new every morning. And so the first thing that we need to know is we need to know that we're, we're unclean. You need to know that you're unclean. But number two, you need to believe that you can be clean. But the third and final truth I want you to see from the story is this. You need to come to the one who can make you clean. You need to come to the one who can make you clean. Now, this man wasn't supposed to come to Jesus like that. You know, the lepers were outcast. They were unclean. In fact, the lepers in Luke 17, it says that they stood off at a far distance and they cried out, Jesus, can you heal us? No, they were, they were a ways from Jesus. Not this man. We see here that this man comes so close, close enough that Jesus can put his hand on him and touch him. And he kneels down and he pleads with Jesus. You see, he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ashamed of his condition. No, he was so desperate and so ready to be cleansed from this leprosy that he begs Jesus, Oh, Jesus, you can heal me if you would. Many of us, many of us want God's help. We want God's forgiveness. We want to change. We want it all. We want, we want to be new. But we want it on our own terms. We don't want to lose control of our lives. We don't want to lose our dignity. But listen, it doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't happen that way. You will never get from Jesus what you need and still save face. You won't, it won't happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we want people to come and be embarrassed. No, that's not what we're talking about. But you cannot get from Jesus what you need and somehow think that you're going to save face. Now, somehow, if we think that our uncleanliness is no more than just like a little cut on our finger, and all that we need is a Band-Aid, if that's what you think, listen, Jesus doesn't do Band-Aids. He just didn't do Band-Aids. If you need a Band-Aid, you just need to go to your mom and dad and get a Band-Aid. No. Jesus, if you come to Jesus and you say to him, I need a new heart, I need a new head, I need a new everything, Jesus says to you, I can do that. I can give you a new heart. I can give you a new head. I can give you new everything. We can't come to Jesus with our dignity, with our status, with our wealth, 
and think that we will receive anything from him. That is why Jesus said it is so hard for a rich man to come to enter the kingdom of God. You see, we can't come with all our pretense. We have, no, we have to come to him with all that pretense stripped away. I said I would come back to the historian in the book uh, in the, uh, about Naaman. You've got to love these iPads, man. They just they can go everywhere on you. The story of Naaman. If you've never heard the story, Naaman is an, it's an incredible story. Naaman was, he was a, uh, the captain of the Syrian, the king of Syria's army. He was a great man. I mean, the, the Bible says there in 2 Kings chapter 5 that God even gave him favor to, uh, in, in certain battles there. But in one of the battles, he, they captured a little uh, Israeli girl, and they brought him back to uh, Syria, and she worked for Naaman's wife. And Naaman was a great man, but there was one thing that was wrong with Naaman. He was a leper. He had leprosy. And the little Israel girl said, oh, to, 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 Naaman's, to, to her mistress, oh, if Naaman would just go and be in the very presence of the prophet in Israel, he would be healed. And so Naaman heard about this. He got word of this. He went to the king and says, and so the king of Syria sent a letter to the king of Israel, and Naaman went with it. And he took all kinds, he had all these horses and these chariots, all this, he had a boatload of money, he, and he took ten sets of clothing. He had leprosy really bad. And he went, and the king said, I don't do this. And Elisha, the prophet, said, send him, send him down to me. And so Naaman, with all his horses and chariots and his, all this money, come to Elisha, and Elisha sends a servant out there, says, you tell him to do this. Go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be clean. Now, this made Naaman furious. I'm this important man. I mean, he should come out here, should wave his hands over me and proclaim some kind of chant and heal me. And it made him so mad that he went, he left. But one of Naaman's servants said, listen, master, if the, if the prophet would have done some great thing and come out and did something, wouldn't you have done it? And it convicted him. And so he went down to the Jordan River and he dipped himself. Listen, Naaman had a skin disease, but some, Naaman has one other thing. He had, he had a heart that was so proud and was so full that it needed to be healed as well. He had a proud heart. Now, can you imagine how pride, his pride must have been shattered as he entered into that Jordan River? I mean, he said, he told, he told the, I mean, we have all these rivers, these very big and beautiful rivers, and you want me to go down to this Jordan River? It's like saying, go to the Salt Fork River and dip yourself seven times. But Naaman did it. He just didn't do it once. He did it seven times. He dipped himself. And finally, he got to the point that his pride, he let his pride go. 
You see, it wasn't just a leopard skin that he had that needed healing, but his leopard heart needed healing as well. The text says that he went down, he dipped himself, and he came out of the river, and his skin was like that of a little child. He was healed. Listen, we come to God with all our horses and our chariots and all our importance, and we say, I know, I know what's best for me to be clean because I'm an important person, God. We look to God and we say, here I am. I've made an appointment with you, God, so do something for me. And God says the same thing every time. He says, I'm glad you're here. Are you willing to come on my terms? Are you willing to come on my terms? What happens, though, most times is that many of us walk away because we're not willing to dip ourselves in the Jordan River seven times, as God asked us to. Let me ask you this morning. Are you broken? Are you broken enough to be healed, to be clean? Do you see that you have leprosy and that you, you, you have it enough that you need to be cleansed? Perhaps you know that you're dirty, but you have forgotten where to go, where to go to be cleansed. Listen, this happens to us as believers. As believers, we, we live our lives we live our lives, and in the back of our mind, we have this cloud of guilt and shame and inadequacy in our lives because we're so weighed down with how we look or what we did, we're, all these things that we haven't become yet for God, all these sins, and our hearts become hardened with guilt and shame. And we forget that there is one that we can go to who will cleanse us. All we have to do is come to him and he will make us clean. Why is that? Why will he make us clean? Because he is willing to make us clean. Now, here in the text, I want you to know what happens here, what Jesus does to this leper, this wasn't just an action. It wasn't just a transaction that took place. It wasn't that he came and just Jesus healed him. No, that's not what happened here. This wasn't just a transaction. We look at verse 41. Look what it says. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. He was made clean. This immediately wasn't immediately it happened right then so any time that you and I humbly come to Jesus with an eager heart willing for a fresh start Jesus says I will be clean if you know that you're not clean and you believe that you can be clean and you come to the one who can make you clean you will be clean well, how does Jesus do that? How does Jesus make us clean? Here in the story, Jesus, he touched this leper. Incredible that Jesus touched this leper. And he makes him clean. But how does Jesus spiritually 
make you and I clean. He does it by trading places with us. He does it by trading places with us. It doesn't mean that he becomes one who is unclean. No, but he's counted as one who was unclean. It doesn't mean that he becomes a sinner. No, but he is reckoned as one who has sinned. He trades places with us. And you know what we call that? We call that substitution. He was our substitution. Because what you and I deserve because of our sin, he took it upon himself at the cross. He took your penalty and my penalty for our sins upon himself. And in turn, in return, we get his righteousness. We get to be in the very presence of God. He was our substitution. Now, oftentimes people want to skip this part of the story. But just look what happens in verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for a cleansing what Moses had commanded for the proof, for a proof to them. Jesus sternly charged him. The word in the Greek literally means he snorted at him. I <laughs> say, like, what? It's like a horse snorts. He literally said, don't go tell anybody. He was angry. He had a righteous anger because he knew what was going to happen. He knew what would happen. As soon as that guy got out of his presence, he would probably pull out his phone. He would start, you know, getting on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all these things. It would be spread everywhere. Jesus knew this. Now, why, does, why did Jesus say this to him? Well, Dylan gave us very good explanations why. Last week. You see, Jesus understood at this point in his ministry, this was not what he needed. In fact, if the word spread from this guy, what just happened, his ministry would be like a carnival freak show. It would be a madhouse. Everybody would just want to come for the miracle. Everybody would want to just come for the healing. And he wouldn't be able to preach the kingdom of God as he came to do. So what does he do? He tells the guy, you go, show yourself to the priest as Moses commanded, and do all the sacrifices that are required for a testimony to the priest. Well, what happens? Well, look at verse 45. But when he went out, he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and the people were coming to him from every quarter. He goes and he, he tells everybody. He tells everybody. To the point that Jesus could no longer enter into the towns. But he had to go to the desolate places, it said. You see what happens here? Jesus and the leper trade places. They trade places. Lepers were the outcast. Lepers were the friendless ones. 
They couldn't be around people. They were to live in desolate places. But now, the leper, what's he done? He's re-entered society. He's been befriended by other people. He is right now, he is the one who is in society. But Jesus, now, Jesus is right where the leper was. He is in desolate places. Sure, Jesus' popularity increased. His everything, you know, his increased popularity. But with increased popularity, there came increased opposition, increased obstacles. And now Jesus was on his way of being cut off from the people. In fact, this is a turning point in the book of Mark. This is a turning point because from this point on, we'll begin to see how there will be opposition and obstacles against his teaching and against his miracles that he performs. And it all is tied back to this leper. I, sometimes I feel like the leper should, we should have another story of this leper, how he came and asked Jesus to forgive him for not obeying what he said to do. But really, we're just like the leper, aren't we? God does some great things in our lives. He does great work in our lives. But yet we still refuse to obey him. He gives us his grace and we know the power of his salvation. But we still go on and we disobey him. And our disobedience makes us unclean again. And we need to keep coming back to him. Coming back again and again and again. You see, we need his mercy, and it is only possible because Jesus traded places with us at the cross. He took what we deserved upon himself. Here's the good news this morning. When you come to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or you come back to Jesus again and again and again, if you come with a willing heart, He is always there to touch you and to say, I will be clean. I will be clean. Three simple truths from this story. And it touches every one of us in this room. Do you know that that you're not clean? Do you believe that you can be clean? And will you come to the one who can make you clean? In 1963, a songwriter by the name of Bill Gaither wrote a song based upon several stories like this one here in Mark 1. I want you to listen to the words of this song. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath Neath the load of guilt and shame, the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. Since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it until eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And the joy 
floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. Let me ask you. Sorry. What will you do? What will you do with these truths that we saw in this story? How will you respond to the Lord today? Let's pray. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread, and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. God, we want to first lift up those today who are with us who need to refrain from the Lord's Supper because they do not know you. They have not come to you and asked for cleansing, God. And we don't know if that's because they don't know that they're unclean and they think that their sin is a small thing. Maybe speak of it as uh, mistakes or quirks or... Uh, imperfections, God, but will you move upon their hearts and show them that they are unclean before you? And maybe there are those who believe that they are too sinful to come to you, that they've done too much and that your blood cannot cover their guilt and their shame. God, will you show both of these people today that they are wonderfully wrong and that they are probably worse off than they realize, but that you are much better than they realize also, that they would turn from their sin, that they would consider what the meaning of this bread and this wine represents today, that you have given your body and your blood for them so that they can be made clean. God, will you draw them to you this morning and give them repentance and faith so that they can become your sons and daughters? And God, Uh, For the rest of us, for those of us who are your children already, I pray that you would help us to examine our hearts, God. Show us, even now, what are the things that we are putting before you? What do we care about in our lives more than we care about your glory?
Father, you told us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Show us how have we sinned against our neighbor. God, where are we failing to obey you? It may be something that we're doing that we know is wrong. It may be something that we're not doing that we know you've told us to do. God, show us uh, how are we disobeying you. God, we repent of our sin. Help us to see our sin the way that you do. And God, thank you so much for cleansing us and for forgiving the sin that's in our past and the sin that's in our future. Jesus, your blood covers all of that. And we rejoice in this and we delight in taking the cup and remembering how you took our place. It should have been our body. It should have been our blood. We should be the ones who receive the holy and hot wrath of God for our sin. But you took our place. You atoned for our sin. And we rejoice in that. Thank you so much, Jesus, for what you have done for us. May we walk in joy and gratefulness because of what you've done. In your name, we pray. Amen. Come as we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.